Welcome. I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and this is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast on Mental Health News Radio Network. This podcast is also available wherever you get your podcasts, but I do suggest checking out Mental Health News Radio Network to find all your podcasts related to mental health. Today's guest is Dr. Victoria Johnson. Dr. Johnson is a well-known physician in the practice of aesthetic medicine. She has pioneered many state-of-the-art laser procedures and surgeries and has helped guide the field for more than 20 years. Dr. Johnson is a published author who just recently released her book, From Trophy Wife to Cosmetic Surgeon. Victoria, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Laura Lee, for having me. I'm excited to do this with you. Oh, definitely. Well, I first of all, I want to hear your story and really how you got from trophy wife to cosmetic surgeon. Uh, well, when you become miserable enough in a situation or in a relationship, you really don't feel like you have another choice. I mean, I didn't anyway. And it was clear to me that no one was going to take care of me or my daughter except me. And so I I just searched the Lord. I just, you know, um, just begged and begged and begged, uh, you know, for a while just to get some guidance on what to do. I had no education except a high school. And, um, you know, uh, I just got the thorn, you know, to, to go to school. And my, my sister was at Ole Miss. I lived in Mississippi at the time. And so I went to visit her and it was just like a, a knife in my heart. You know, I needed to go to school. And so she helped me. Um, and my husband, there was no way he would ever be able or he would ever uh, help me pay for school. So we went over to the bursar's office and it was the first year in 1988 that they allowed women uh, to borrow money for education without their husband's uh, approval. I mean, the first year, and that's only 1988. Can you believe that? <laughs> anyway, but I was able to do that and able to go to school. And uh, I just, you know, took care of my daughter, my family, uh, got her where she needed to be, got me where I could study, and then um, did all the things I needed to do uh, to get through my undergrad. And then, you know, all of this is a matter of prayer the entire time, because I I didn't know I was smart. You know, I had no idea. You know, I'd been beaten down so bad. And um, so when I figured out I was smart, you know, I was like, wow, okay, I can do this. You know, and then it was really a calling in my heart to become a doctor. And I'm like, okay, I'm a Tupelo housewife. How's this going to happen, you know? But it did. It did just one door at a time, you know, like the night, the, the being able to borrow money and then, you know, the timing for my testing and everything and my courses, it all just fit perfectly. And it fit perfectly where I could drop my daughter off in the morning, do what I need to do during day and pick her up at night. And then I would wake up, you know, like at three in the morning and, and um, study from three to five or three to six, you know, because my husband wouldn't let me study. He would just scream and yell and uh, it was just miserable that I just I knew I had to do something else. And I was just so driven and I had to get out of the situation. And it took me a few years to do that. But then in the end, when I was in medical school, there was uh, in my book, my friend Joan, she helped me a lot because she was with me and my husband several times. And she's like, he treats you like a dog. Why are you saying this? You know, and I looked at all these other women that were happy. They were in medical school too. And here I am miserable with this horrible person telling me that I'm terrible. He wants to get me thrown out of medical school, all this stuff. And I was just focused, you know, and, and 
I did really well. And I took care of my daughter. She did really well. She had, to, we didn't have hardly any money, but um, she got a job when she was 15 and um, she did really good. She always had two or three jobs, went to school. She did good in school. Uh, when I was on call, she'd come to the hospital and visit me or bring me dinner or something like that. So we, and we would find time, even though I had to be on call a lot, we found time when we, you know, for us to be together to go to the movies or sit and have lunch and talk. Uh, and she was just an excellent child, um, which I'm so grateful for. Yeah. And because she was a teenager when I was in medical school, which is trying at the end, <laughs> but um, you just have to want something bad enough to go through whatever you have to go through. And I just, I knew the Lord had something different for me and I was going to find out what it was. Now I had to put in a lot of work and go through a lot of you know mental beatings and stuff, but I wasn't going to let go. You know, I was not going to let go of this this urge and drive within me, um, no matter what I had to go through. And it was a lot. Uh, my daughter went through a lot. In fact, she can't even read the book, but um, mm -hmm. she said, mom, I don't want to relive it. I said, I, I didn't want to relive it either. You know, met, uh, writing the book. And I felt like I had to, I've been a doctor for so long and patients, you know, come in for different things, but they always end up talking to me and they tell me the most gosh awful stuff sometimes. And I'm just trying to hold on to my chair not to fall on the floor because I'm like wow and there are Dr. Johnson you can't relate to this I'm so embarrassed I have to tell you this and I'm like I can't relate to it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes I can and so I just after a while I was like how did I do this how did I go through all that and I didn't really know and so I sat down and started writing and, and writing and writing and writing and I took a bunch of stuff out and added a few things but um Basically, I just wanted people to know that I'm a human being, too, you know, and I've been through a lot in my life. Uh, pretty much everybody goes through a lot in their own ways. And I just wanted other people to, to see this is possible. You know, you can do this. You can thrive. You can leave that behind. I got a lot of counseling and uh, you can leave that behind. You don't have to be abused anymore. And, and I only can help women. I can help men too, you know, that are in an abusive relationship or just going nowhere in life and just have, have no um, uh, self-confidence, you know, or self-esteem. And to, to help people grow in that is just such a passion of mine. So most of the time in my clinic, I do counseling all day long, you know, and then they come back. I don't ever charge anybody and I have them come back, you know, whatever we're going through, you know, when you go to nursing school or medical school, or I want to become, you know, a cafeteria aide, whatever it is, you know, it's just, it's so fulfilling to watch people rise up, you know, right. and not be burdened and not be abused anymore. And, um, and it's just awesome. Yeah. To just stand up and say, no, I'm not doing that. You're not treating me like that. And like, this is my place. I have my own house. You know, I mean, you can have your dream. You can. You just have to don't listen to fear because you're going to have fear constantly. Mm -hmm. And you just walk right through that fear because fear is fake. Fear is a false. And so you just walk through that fear and then you find your faith and faith grows in the rear of your mirror. You don't know how much stuff you've been through until you look back and you're like, oh my God, I did make it through that. I did make it through that, you know? And you just you just hang on and don't let fear get you. Don't let guilt get you. Don't listen to anybody because their dream, your dream is not their dream. Right. And you don't know what their ulterior motives are, you know? Um, so no, you get your own dream and you just do it. And if you get scared or guilt-ridden or whatever, just jump, just do it. Just make the, you know, make 
the first jump, uh, whatever that may be. And sometimes the jump might be wrong. You know, you might be going the wrong direction, but you'll find out quick that you're moving. You're moving in the right direction, moving in a positive direction. And the doors will open for you. I promise you, they will open for you. Yeah, I, I'm sure you get, like you were saying, you have a lot of patients that come to you and they tell you these stories like, oh, you don't know how to relate. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who feel like they can't get out of an abusive relationship right. or even, especially if it's verbal, because they're like, oh, he's just saying these things, but that will right. knock you down pretty hard. Yeah, that's and, what mine was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's terrible, but what do you say? I mean, I know you're saying just jump, just do it. I mean, there are, what if there are people who don't know what it is that they can do, how they can survive um, financially, especially. Yeah, um, financially is the big one because that's how you're really controlled is with the purse strings. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that, and that was the same with me. And that's why going to the bursar's office and getting my own school loans and borrowing as much as they would give me. So I had some extra money to live on with my, to support my daughter and, um, but I mean, we didn't have hardly anything, but we did it anyway, you know? And so I don't know where your finances are going to come from. I don't know which direction is right for you, but if you just keep this mindset, it comes to you, it comes to you. Oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. And then all of a sudden you open the mail. I can't pay the electric bill this month. But all of a sudden I open the mail and there's a refund for my gas bill <laughs> enough to pay my, my electric bill. I mean, it just happened over and over and over that. It was just not ridiculous. It was the Lord, the Lord. Yeah, for sure. Taking care of me and um, say, I, I got you, Vicki. I, I got you. Wow. That I mean, were you, how hard was it? Did you find your own healing? Did you get counseling while you were going to through medical school? I did. Uh -huh. I got counseling. I went to see our marriage counselor for four years uh, while I was doing my undergrad. And at that time, I grew and grew and grew. And then by the time I got to medical school, I saw a counselor um, kind of here and there. But basically, I was I was on my own and I was I'm, I'm fine. You know, I was fine. Um, but I mean, I've had to work through some of the abuse and some of the patterns and stuff. And I have to watch uh, what I allow in my life, you know, and um I had a, a situation a couple of years ago where I had you know, went to New York uh, to study with this physician and he was a big surgeon or whatever. And um, so he immediately started attacking me and asking me all these questions. And I'm like, A, I'm paying you for this education. Mm -hmm. B, what are you doing? But he was so mean and screaming and yelling at me. Can you believe this? And uh, like, I'm nobody or what? And so finally, I just thought, and some of my staff was there. I didn't say a word. I just let him berate me, whatever he was going to do. And when I left the meeting, I thought to myself, ah, I don't have to live with that anymore. You know, right. and my staff was like, why did you put up with that? I said, well, I don't care what he thinks. I came here. I gave him money to show me how to do this procedure. He did. Now I'm leaving. I didn't care less about him and his screaming. His wife gets to deal with that. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know. So, but after that, I just, something opened in me and I was like, that was another big bear I had to face. Someone, some powerful man screaming and yelling at me like my ex-husband. And I didn't care. I didn't care because it didn't affect my business, my being a physician, me being a mother. He had nothing to do with that. I mean, that's his own thing. If he feels like he has to do that to women or whatever, um, I really didn't care. That It was like, it was healed in me. You know, whereas before I might have cowered, you know, mm. and, you know, please, I, I really am a good sur surgeon. I really am. No, I had nothing to prove to him. <laughs> I'm not going to prove anything. I'm not going to engage in this behavior. 
No, I want to know how to do that procedure. I gave you money. You taught me. I'm out of here. So that was a, that was a big epiphany for me. Wow. To face, to face that, you know, well, and that how, was a couple of years ago. <laughs> wow. Well, how did you leave your husband? Like, how did you walk away? When were you, when did you say enough is enough? Uh, when he told me he was going to get me thrown out of medical school and I was in a second year a medical student and your schedule is not your own. So I, he was required, he had to take care of our daughter some. And well, he hated that. And I needed to be home at six, you know, whatever the time it was. Well, there's no way. Well, you need to just tell them that you have to be, you have to be there for your husband. I'm like, this is medical school. No. Mm -hmm. um, and so my time is not my own. I made sure I took care of my daughter, but it got, it got so bad. And he was so abusive when we would go to uh, like parties with the rest of the medical school. And, you know, people would finally say, please don't invite him anymore. And oh, then wow. finally my friend Joan, she's like, why do you put up with that crap? You know, and she really was the one that pushed me over the edge. And then when he said he was going to get me thrown out of medical school, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. And again, something broke within me. And um, I remember getting a, a moving van and moving to my own place with my daughter. And then the next thing I knew, he drove up and he kissed her goodbye and then he left. I mean, it he just left. I guess he knew. I mean, I was surrounded by all these powerful people, people going to medical school, wanting to do better with their life, and that he couldn't abuse them to take him in, you know? So he just left. And then um, he wouldn't pay me, uh, you know, child support went through a divorce and all that. And so uh, uh, my attorney hired, you know, someone in New Orleans and uh, they arrested him, put him in jail because he wouldn't pay wow. child support because you have to pay child support. And um, anyway, then he started, then he started doing that and never failed again. I don't think I ever saw him again. I, I might have seen a glimpse of him at one time, but no, I just, I was done. Absolutely done. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's it's so just like something you. broke, you know, something inside me broken. No, this is my dream and you're not taking it away from me. I'm not failing out of medical school. Yeah. Wow. You know, you talked about, you know, the, the, your, your patients coming to you and telling you their own story. And, you know, you, you wrote um, in your book and in the magazine about how when people do come to you for, cause you, you work on, you know, cause it's cosmetic surgery right. and you kind of dig deeper than just the surface level. Exactly. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I realized early on that patients come in because there's something wrong. Okay, it could be this little tiny mole here, or a little tiny wrinkle here. They want help. They don't know what kind of help they are. They don't really know. And so it's my funnest part of the funnest part of my job is trying to figure out why are you really here? Mm. You know, and usually if I start talking to them and they're, you know, like my job, this or my job, that, well, I just turned 50 and you know, all these young people coming in, I need to look better. Or, you know, a man has lost his wife after 50 years, wants to start dating. What, how can I, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Or people are in an abusive relationship. And, you know, and they're just beaten down. And I mean, you can feel it, you know, so you just start probing questions. And um, most of the time they'll open up to me and tell me, you know, what's going on. And so I, I'll, depending on what's going on, I'll see them back sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, sometimes every couple of weeks. And I give them, you know, self-help books and stuff. And one lady came in and she had finally stood up to her husband, abusive husband. 
And he threw her book away and he said, oh, I knew there was something you were doing something. So she came in and I gave her a copy of the book again and I gave her two copies. Mm-hmm. I said, hide this one. Okay. Casey <laughs> tears this one up again, you know, because and sometimes you just need help. Like I'll give him my book or I'll give him Dr. Hawkins book. And it's all um, about you growing, you know, and, and that you can do this. And so, yeah, when patients come here, there's something else going on. You know, and it's just, it's so fulfilling to help them stand up or put their shoulders back, their head in the air. I got a nursing school or, you know, I got my whatever degree it is finally after all these years, you know, and it's so rewarding. Yeah. I love it. Wow. So you're, you're like, you're like a surgeon and a counselor all in one. All in one. Yeah. And the most important thing to me is the counseling part. Yeah. Wow. What, What made you go into the cosmetic side of it? Well, um, I actually began as a family physician, but I never did that. I got in, I was an ER physician for a while, but I got interested in anesthetics and uh, all I had when I opened was Botox and two lasers. And um, I don't know how I did it anyway, but I quit my job, didn't tell my job, I was quitting my job. And I worked in the ER at night so I could do laser light in the the day. And um, I don't know, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other and... um, just keep going. And so how do I like aesthetics? Uh, I like being my own boss. And I wasn't my own boss in my past jobs. And I don't like that. You know, I mean, I just, I guess I'm a control freak. I don't know. (laughs) But I want to do my own thing. And I don't want, I couldn't counsel, you know, at at previous jobs or um, couldn't do little extras. Well, now I can, I can counsel. I send my patients flowers or you know, tickets to something. I mean, whatever it is, it's appropriate, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I'm free to be me and I'm free to be loving and caring and to show you that you can be a powerful woman, but you can be loving and caring. And that's the most important part of my life is to care for people. So, mm-hmm. And you now have a husband. Mm-hmm. I have a husband now. We've been together. We've been married three years uh, in a couple of weeks, but we've been together about 15 years. And he's fabulous. He's a lawyer. A retired lawyer. He's a little bit older than I am, but um, he is the calming force in my life. Yeah, when I get too excited or worked out, he's like Victoria, Tony, <laughs> you know. And he's just he just takes care of everything for me. I mean, he's just wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Well, that is wonderful because I feel like there's a there's there's a certain sense once you've found your own healing and you are you kind of can stand confidently on your own. It's easy to find a partner right. who can stand on their own, but also be a support for, for you. Exactly. As well. well, and um, he was in a, not such a great relationship for 28 years and he went through a bench of counseling as well. And I did. And so we worked on our relationship a lot, you know, and triggers and stuff. Uh, so that, but I mean, we, we just have a great relationship and he loves my daughter, my granddaughter. And um, it's, it's just my God sent him to me for sure. Yeah. Mm. Well, I do want to ask, is there anything else that you want to add? Anything that you think that our our audience would would needs to know, especially when it comes to your story and how it can apply to others? Well, in my experience um, with uh, my husband at the time, I was so scared of him. I mean, so scared of him. And then when I got out of it and faced that fear and looked back, I realized he was nothing but a blowhard. I mean, mm-hmm. that was it. And someone had told me along the way, when he starts screaming and yelling at you, just 
think about smoke coming out of his mouth. He doesn't mean anything, you know, but he's insecure. He's, he thinks that if he abuses me enough, I'm not going to leave because I'm so scared of him. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much of that you can take or that I could take. And then I was like, this is so not worth it. And, um, but I would just say, whoever's abusing whatever situation, it's really about them. I mean, mm-hmm. they're the ones who are insecure. They're the ones that you know, have to make you stay or whatever it is. And no, you don't. You can have your own voice. It is scary. I didn't know if I was going to get punched to death or what, but he didn't ever hurt me. But then in looking and helping patients at my clinic, I'm like, all of that is just blow. They're just blowing. They're just blowing. What are they going to do? Beat mm-hmm. you to death? Okay, been her out of it, you know? Or when I was working mm-hmm. in the emergency room, you know, and a woman had been beaten by her husband, you know, fracture, and she's cowering in the corner and I walk in and I'm like, I dare you to hit me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think it was a little, little bunch. <laughs> but I was screaming and yelling at him about beating his wife and breaking her face. And the wife was like, I wanted her to have confidence. And even if he hit me, I didn't care. I wanted her to stand up for herself. You know, and look what he did. He yeah. sat down and became quiet. Wow. I mean, they're to, to me, you know, they're the ones that are insecure. And they feel oh, like absolutely. they have to keep you. You know, why do you have to keep me? You know? Anyway, it's yeah. hard. It's really hard. It's hard to break the cycle. And um, because after my husband, I, I had some bad relationships. And I'm like, mm, okay, back to counseling. Why did I pick this one? You know, okay. Ah. You know, why did I, okay, I did it again. What was, the, you know, so it took me a while because I got married when I was 19. I mean, where did I know? And um, so you can do this. I mean, you can, and it's so overwhelming uh, trying to get out of a situation that's, you know, abusive. Um, but fear is fake. Fear is, it's not real. You know, and all the screaming and yelling, it's not not real. I mean, if they're hitting you, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you can do this. It's them with the problem. You just got to figure a way to get out of it. Right, right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's something I always tell my my daughter when she comes home, someone's being mean to her. I'm like, it's not, it's never about you. It's never, something's going on with them that's making them angry. Maybe you're triggering it, but it's not about you. You're not doing it. You, you right. know, and, and I think that goes for everyone. I think it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's an internal issue that they need to address. And, you know, I know that when I'm acting a little out of sorts mm-hmm. and I know that it, there's something going on with me. With so. me yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Vicky, let's go to the bedroom. What's going on? Figure this out. Why are you being mean? You know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, Vicki, thank you so much. Dr. Victoria Johnson. I am so grateful to have had you on today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. That -hmm. was Dr. Victoria Johnson, aesthetic surgeon and author of From Trophy Wife to Cosmetic Surgeon. For more information on Vicki, check out the show notes. January's issue of Authentic Insider is out. She has also contributed to that issue as well. You could find that in the show notes. Check out Authentic Insider at TraumaSurvivorThriver.com. That's TraumaSurvivorThriver.com, as well as past episodes of a Trauma Survivor Thriver's podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to my email list to get Authentic Insider Magazine in your inbox monthly. Before we go, I wanted to take a moment to share a fantastic podcast called Fire Breathing Kittens. It's an actual play one-shot podcast with various tabletop role-playing games with a season-long plot. 
because there's a beginning and an end to each week's episode. You can start at any episode. Uh, just every week just has a different combination of four from the same rotating cast group of people. So join Fire Breathing Kittens as they solve detective mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and just enjoy friendship. We will be back next week when I speak with Aaron Vandermore when we discuss eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, or EMDR, as an effective trauma therapy modality. You've been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. I'm Morley Binstock. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. Take care. Thank you.